Uh, we uh, are in a, a series called The Miracle or Experience the Miracle of Christmas. You know, I, I think I, we see these words and sometimes we go, oh, another Christmas series. But this isn't about knowing the miracle or understanding the miracle. It's about experiencing the miracle of Christmas. And so today I want us to think about uh, what does it mean to experience the miracle of Christmas? And especially uh, today we're going to talk about the miracle of the message the miracle of the message. Last week, Pastor Derek uh, talked about the miracle of the moment. And it's really interesting if you uh, look at all of history and you look at all of the scenarios and the, the circumstances from the beginning of time until today, and you were to look at all of that and go, when would be the perfect time for Jesus to have come? Really, when he came was about the perfect time in history. I mean, all the circumstances just lined up. It's just amazing. It's mind-blowing to my little tiny brain. And by the way, when you're out there and all you can see is water on every side, it's like, I am so tiny. I am so tiny. And uh, it's just ama- amazing how, uh, just how God works everything together in such an amazing way. He just, he just works everything out. And uh, so Derek, Pastor Derek talked about that last week. It was really good, and it was really thought-provoking. Listen, but I, you know, one of the things that we want to talk about today as far as the message and the miracle of the message is, is just communication, how God communicates to us. And whenever I talk to people about communication, I always want to express to them that there's two important parts of, of communication. There's content and there's delivery, and they're both very important. If I were to say to my wife, hi, honey, I'm home, what's for dinner? Or I would say to my wife, hi, honey, I'm home, what's for dinner? Even though the content is completely the same, 100%, the delivery is very different. And so both the message, the content, and the delivery are both important. And we're going to see that God has been working that out through history uh, all on his own. One of my favorite Christmas movies is the remake of The Miracle on 34th Street. And by the way, if you know me at all, you know that my very favorite uh, Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. I will uh, admit that. Uh, But I will tell you, and I know some of you are judging me already, but I can tell you that uh, I can actually mute every single curse word without missing another single word in the movie. And I do that when my grandsons come over and watch the movie. I can, I can mute every single one of those out so it's completely gone. It's, it's PG-13, my version. Uh, listen, but one of my favorite movies is the miracle, the remake of Miracle on 34th Street. And I'm, not, I'm kind of a movie snob. I don't, uh, I don't like too many remakes, but this is a really good remake. One of my favorite scenes is where this deaf, deaf girl's mother sits her on Santa's lap. I don't know if you have seen this movie, but she brings her there and sits her on Santa's lap. And the mom says something interesting. She says, she's deaf. You don't have to talk to her. She just wanted to see you. And then, of course, if you're familiar with the plot of the movie... Chris Kringle responds by using her language. He, he does sign language. And he says to her, you are a beautiful young lady. Everyone is amazed that Santa Claus can speak to her in her own language. Of course, the focus is on him being able to, to talk to her and who he is and all that kind of stuff, if you remember the movie. But I was thinking as I thought of this particular movie and this particular scene, if I was this father of this little girl, or if I had a deaf child, I would be doing everything I could to learn her language. I would be doing everything I could to communicate to her. You can bet that I would learn sign language, and I would spend hours and hours perfecting it so that I could communicate <clears throat> excuse me, well to her. Because knowing how to communicate a message is really at the heart of love. Think about it. How can I communicate my love 
if I'm unable to communicate at all? You can't. And so God desperately wants to communicate, and I think he's gone to great extents to communicate his love to us. And he tells us that in Hebrews chapter 1, which is what we're going to look at today. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, God is seeking to communicate some things to us that I think he wants us to understand, and especially at a time like Christmas. So let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Here's what it says. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So we see in this passage three big things about how God has communicated the miracle of this message. And the first is this, God speaks through history. Let's go back and read verse one again. Here's what it says. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now think about this. How long has God been communicating to mankind? Well, since the beginning, since he created Adam, he's been communicating. He communicated to Adam. And so God has been communicating and speaking to mankind in some way, really, since he created Adam or mankind. There's numerous ways, a lot of different circumstances, different times. God communicates to us through nature. We saw that early in the book of of Romans. The Bible talks about how God has, has spoken to everybody on the planet in some way, through just nature. We can look and know about God, know about his complexity, know about his character, in some ways, just by nature. He spoke to Moses through a burning bush. He spoke to the Israelites from smoke and fire on a mountain. He spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. He spoke to Isaiah in a vision, He spoke through prophets like Jeremiah, and he spoke through Joseph's dreams. He's spoken through symbols and natural events, armies, people groups, many other ways, just all kinds of ways throughout the Old Testament. God's revelation of himself is not just a monotone voice or way of communication. God has not communicated just one way through all of history. However, prior to Jesus being born, God had been silent for 400 years. Think about that. God had been communicating to people since the very beginning when he, when he created Adam. I always want to say invented Adam. When he created Adam. And, and, but, but there were no prophets after Malachi until John the Baptist arrived on the scene. There was a gap. Now, in the Old Testament Revelation, who God is is somewhat fragmented. It's occasional. It's, it's somewhat progressive in the sense that it's additive. Uh, nobody really knew that much about God, but knew something about God. They didn't adequately capture the full picture of God's nature. God was speaking, but, 
many people weren't listening and, and many people weren't able to, to, to have the communication of different times and different ways to get a, a somewhat complete picture of who God was. They only had some kind of a, a partial revelation of who he was. In fact, if you go back and, and all of those things that I mentioned, if you read what God communicated in any one of those singular events and you say, if this is all I knew about God, what was in this one passage, how God communicated this one time, if this is all I knew about God, we would have such a limited understanding of who God is. But then, after that 400 years of silence, God didn't only speak through history, but God speaks through Jesus. God speaks through Jesus by revealing himself directly and completely to us. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2, and the first half of verse 3. Here's what it says. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. It wasn't just Jesus' message that was a miracle. It wasn't just the things that he said. It wasn't just the way that he lived that was the miracle. It was who he was. He didn't bring the message. He didn't talk about the message. He himself was the very message that was the miracle. Look how John puts it in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then if you jump down in that same passage to verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see here that, that Jesus really made it clear he was the Son of God. And he was in the beginning, in the beginning of time before there was time, before there was a single day, before time was created. Jesus was there with God because he was God. And then, of course, in John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, it says this. Jesus is speaking here. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Then he says this incredible line, I and the Father are one. Folks, this is profound. This is profound. Jesus didn't come from God. He wasn't sent by God. He wasn't a representative of God. He was indeed God himself. This is profound. He was the miracle of the message. God spoke to us, yes, through history. Yes, God gave us a partial understanding of who he was. But when Jesus came, you didn't have to guess anymore. You didn't have to fill in the blanks anymore. You want to know how God thinks? Ask Jesus how he thinks. You want to know what God thinks about a human beings? Ask Jesus what he thinks about human beings. You want to know how God would deal with the poor? Look and see how Jesus dealt with the poor. You want to see how God would deal with every situation in life? Just look at Jesus. He's the perfect carbon copy. 
I, I was thinking of, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking of those movies where, uh, uh, and back in the movie brain, uh, those movies where one actor plays two parts. You know, and my, my brain always goes to the parent trap, not the new one with that other girl, but uh, uh, the old one with Patty Duke, you know, made in the 40s or something like that. I don't know when it was made. It, not that far back. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, here's this actor, and she plays herself. Well, she doesn't plays herself. She plays this person, then she plays another character, and they're like identical twins. They're carbon copies of each other. One person plays both parts. Now, I can't explain how the Trinity works to you, okay? I, I have a very small brain. I'm a very small person, very small brain. But... Somehow, there is one God, and he shows himself up in three different ways. And two of those ways are the Father and the Son. And they are carbon copies in virtually every way until, until Jesus put on flesh like a coat. I see some of your coats hung up today, some of you a little chilly outside. And so when you leave here today, you're going to get up, you're going to go and you're going to put that coat on and you're going to wrap it around you and you're going to be inside it and you're going to walk outside. Jesus did that with flesh. He basically said, I'm going to put on this coat of flesh and I'm going to go to the world and be the Savior of the world. I'm not going to tell him about a Savior. I'm not going to express ideas of a Savior. I'm going to be the Savior. And so God has spoken to us clearly clearly through Jesus. There is no debate about who God is or what he's like because we have a perfect representation of who God is through his son Jesus. But God hasn't only spoken through history. He hasn't only spoken through Jesus, but God speaks to transform us. The reason God speaks to us, the reason he communicates to us is because he wants us to know that love. I talked earlier about how if you can't communicate at all, how do you communicate love? You can't. But God, who invented communication, or created communication, whichever you prefer, uh, he has decided to communicate his love to us through his son. And he does that in order to transform our lives. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3, the last half of 3 and 4. Says, and after making purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Here the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus took his place of honor after, after making a way for us to be purified or forgiven for our sins. Yes, Jesus took this place back in heaven, back with God, back outside the coat of flesh that he put on. But he did that only after he made a way to purify our sins or basically to take away our uncleanness because of our sinfulness. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. It says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. See, there isn't a, a message that is the mediator. Of course, we talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, but really what we're expressing is there is a Savior. There is a mediator between God and man, and it is the man, Jesus Christ. There is only one way to connect to God. There is only one way to be forgiven of your sins. There is only one way to go to heaven, and there is only one mediator. And it's through Jesus. 
There aren't many paths that lead to God. There is a singular path that leads to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. We also see in this passage that Jesus chose to be a ransom for all who would believe in him. Look what it says. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. See, nobody took anything from Jesus. Nobody took anything from him. Nobody took his life. Nobody took his glory. Nobody took anything away from him. He gladly laid it down to be a ransom for those who would believe in him. You know, there are a lot of messages in our lives that have the ability really to to change our lives, to change the direction. They're both good news and bad news, but ones that we kind of think about being really, you know, huge impacts on our life are things like this, messages like this. The doctor calls and says, I'm sorry to tell you it's cancer. Now that is a message that will change your life. Your boss calls you into his office and he says, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. That can be life-changing, life-altering. Or your spouse says, I just can't take this anymore. I am done. I want a divorce. That'll rock your world. That will change your life. I know some of you have heard statements. If they're not like these, they're at least uh, this big of impact on your lives this year. But listen, God has gone to a great deal of trouble, a great deal of trouble to communicate a different message to us today. He's gone to a a great deal of of trouble to create circumstances, to communicate through his word, to protect his word for 2,000 years. Even the New Testament for 2,000 years, the the Old Testament for even farther than that, 7,000 years. And God has gone to this great deal of trouble because he wants to tell us today, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Look at Roman, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This message is the miracle, folks, because it can and it will change our lives if we simply embrace it. And this is not just a message that changes us once and it's complete, but it should be transformational, ongoing. Think about this for a minute. Yes, when we first embrace the truth of who Jesus is and we give our lives to him, we accept that what he did on the cross paid for our sins, And there's no other way to pay for them. When we accept that, yes, there's a transformational moment. And it should change our life drastically. Now, some of you who've been uh, Christians maybe less than a year or two, if I were to ask you how much has your life really changed in the last year or the last two years, you would say, wow, drastically. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of you in our church that have been saved in the last couple of years. Your lives have been really different than they were before you knew Christ as your Savior. But let me ask those of us who've been Christians 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, let me ask us a question. Is the gospel, is the truth, the miracle of the message of who Jesus is, is it still as transformational as us uh, today as it was back then? Let, let, me, let me just share with you how, what I mean there. So if my life changed drastically in the first year or two, and then I've been kind of coasting since then, 
And maybe my life hasn't changed much in the last year. Maybe my, my, my Christianity hasn't grown much in the last year. I think it's backwards, folks. I think most of us live our Christianity backwards. We have this great transformational moment, and there's this huge difference that happens kind of overnight. And then the longer we're a Christian, the less it seems we change. Now, maybe that's because we just get so close to, to Jesus that we can't change anymore. Anybody for that idea? No. We laugh at that. We go, I don't think that's the problem. I don't, there's nothing left to change. I don't think that's true. So is it possible that we become complacent? Is it possible that we take the gospel for granted? Is it possible that the miracle of the message is no longer a big deal of us the longer we've experienced it? I think it should work the opposite way. I think the longer that we are Christians, you know, look, the older I get, the more I realize what a knucklehead I am. And I have been for most of my life. Well, all of my life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, my self-awareness is growing. I really understand myself better. And I'm like, God, why would you ever love me? That doesn't make any sense at all. So, So if that's true for us, then why shouldn't the gospel transform us more? Why shouldn't we become more grateful all the time? Why shouldn't we become uh, more, uh, instead of becoming complacent, why shouldn't we become more intensely just dedicated to growing in our Christianity the longer we've done it because we appreciate it more? Doesn't that make sense? makes sense to me. So the gospel, folks, this, this Christmas, the gospel, the truth of who Jesus was and is, that's just not for people who, who don't yet know Jesus. It's not just for people who, who haven't crossed that line of faith and given their lives to him yet. It is for all of us. We should all be incredibly moved by the miracle of the message of who Jesus was and how God sent him to be our Savior. And it should be transformational to us, not just back then, but right now. You know, many times when I share the gospel with people and I talk to them about their spiritual lives, many because they just say, you know, I, I just, I think that what you're saying is intellectually true, Michael, but, um, you know, I, I just, if God would just send me a sign, you know, if he would just make this really evident to me, if he would, if he would write it in the clouds or, you know, I walk outside and there's a note laying on the ground that says, yeah, he's right about the gospel, whatever, I'm looking for some, you know, big sign, if you can't look at the cross and see the Son of God giving his life for you to pay the penalty for your sins and to transform your life, there's no piece of paper laying on the ground. There's no clouds that are going to convince you. I mean, I just can't imagine any sign that would be more impactful than to look at the cross. Folks, I want us this Christmas, whether you've been a Christian a year or five years or 50 years, I want us to approach this Christmas like an eight-year-old approaches Christmas. I I want us, you know, I've spent a week with my grandsons. Man, they are a blast. They wear me out, but they're a blast. I love the way that they just approach life. 
And they're already just so excited about Christmas, they can hardly stand. How many more days? How many more? I just want us to be mindful of this incredible miracle of this message that we have completely because Jesus has been shown to us. And I want us to do what we just sang a little while ago. I want us to be in awe. I want us to receive the message of Christmas and just go, wow, God, why would you do that for somebody like me? And why would you continue to be patient with me and show me your mercy and your grace and your love over and over and over and over and over and over? Man, it should move us, folks. It should move us. This is the message of Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you can't get excited about this more than you can opening a new tie or a Christmas sweater, there's, there's a huge disconnect somewhere. Huge disconnect somewhere. I want us at Fellowship of Grace, as a group of believers, I want us to approach Christmas uh, really understanding and embracing the message and the miracle that it is. God has gone to a great deal of trouble to communicate his love for us. We would be terribly remiss if we did not hear him and respond to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the miracle of the message of Jesus. Father, we are thankful that you chose to love us when we were rotten towards you. We had no concern for you. We chose to go our own way and live our own lives to please ourselves and no one else. Father, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be connected to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I pray that as we approach this Christmas, you will help us to remember the depth of just uh, appreciation and thankfulness and gratefulness for what you have done for us. God, help us not to just become complacent and coast. Uh, now that I know where my ticket's going, uh, to coast to the end. But God, help us to just be in awe of you, be in awe of what you have done for us, and to be in awe of what you want to do with us if we will just embrace that and allow you to change us. God, make us more like your son and help us never to let up as we run the race till the last day to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.